0: see on fx8 is in the books which means it's time for verbal tap the show that proves fighting is easier from outside the cage with me a man who has really earned his paycheck this week because of the guest you booked raf esparza raf how are you doing tonight i'm doing great and thank you i always earn my paycheck yeah, I, so typically, if you've heard the show before, Raph and I take combative stances against the other's opinions in existence. Is that fair? Yes. But tonight, I'm having a real Catch-22 situation because uh, I'm a pretty big fan of our guest, Rafael Lovato Jr., and you you were the one that set that up, so I'm stoked. I think we, we both are. Uh, as As... Huge BJJ enthusiasts You don't get much better than him You really don't Like, genuinely We're saying no. he's the most decorated jiu-jitsu, American jiu-jitsu competitor uh, The guy's a beast If you have not heard the show before First of all, thank you for joining and us Welcome Welcome to the shenanigans Rav and I tried out a little comedy to MMA Here and there He's out in sunny Los Angeles. I'm over in D.C. You can hear us by going to our website, verbaltapcast.com. I'm going to say it one more time because you can also find color commentary and fun articles starting up again tomorrow. I've got a few loaded, by the way, Raph, that I haven't talked to you about yet. Uh, Verbaltapcast.com. Come over, join us, find us on Twitter again at verbal Tapcast, and you can like us on facebook and if you're downloading us on itunes just go ahead and leave a little star rating over there just go ahead and leave a little comment that says uh, hey i'm listening to the show that way we know now i'm not saying what amount of stars you need to give five but if you were to give stars why wouldn't you give five because this is a fun show you keep going and i'll just add it subliminally i'll just keep saying five Yeah, no, I mean, you know, if you really just want to listen to this podcast and you're thinking, like, I like this show. Five. And you're just like, man, these guys, they seem like cool guys. Two plus three. And I would hang out with them and have a beer and watch fights. Five. See how we did that? Look at us seamlessly working together. Not rehearsed, people. No, definitely not. Hey, Raph. Yes. Did you see the spinning back kick that Vitor Belfour threw? at Luke's face on Saturday night it was hard to miss Uh, it was hard to miss if you didn't see it the first time they definitely (laughs) replayed it about nine trillion other times out of sheer what factor if you had landed that kick let's say you threw a spinning back kick which by the way On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm like negative 20 away from being able to make a maneuver like that. I don't know how his legs stretch that way or how he's able to maneuver it all at the same time, but it's a feat. How many times would you have watched it if you had performed the kick? It would be the opening image that you see when you walk into my house. It it would be (laughs) wallpaper. It would just be playing on its own big screen television. It would be on a big screen. It'd be like, welcome to my home. Hello. (laughs) Uh, You would also see wallpaper of that kick. Uh, You would hear me just be like, oh, have you seen the kick yet? It's impossible that I, an average day person, can do this kick. So we really have to make a big deal of it. It was just another day at the office for, for Vidor. I think I'd buy commercials at local television stations. I would just not be able to stop watching it. Attendance seven thousand six hundred forty two. Fight of the night wa- went to Larson's verse Martinez. KO of the night obviously went to Vitor Belfort. Who else was it going to go to? Vitor Belfort's foot. No, 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 no. Maybe they just make it more specific. All right, keep going. Submission of the night, of course, goes to Jacare Souza. And first of all, I, should we thank him for that personal shout out? Yes. It was obviously a personal shout-out to Verbal Tap cast, because Raph and I's favorite choke is that arm triangle. Yes. It it looked like he had about seven options, so I like to think he stopped and was like, hey, what would Raph and Kevin over at Verbal Tap like to see tonight? Not just him, but earlier in the night, there was also an arm triangle performed from inside half-guard, which was impressive to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially when it was from the wrong side. And it's really bad when you're around people who don't get as excited as you do when these things are happening. Not even close. Yeah, I was at a bar and I was just like, did you see that? It was from Half Guard. Anybody? (laughs) Am I the only one watching these fights? Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. I'm the only one. I'm crazy. Yep. Me. Crazy. (laughs) Great. And the funny part about this, you and I were literally talking... We were texting back and forth because you we were like, did you see that? As Array is landing some pretty significant strikes. Because yeah. we'll get to his fight more specifically in a second. But really impressive. So you're talking to me about the arm triangle just seconds before Array decides, yeah, let's do another one of those. One more for those guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, quick, did you watch the post-fight presser? Yes. How did it feel without Dana White? And I have two comments, but let let me just ask you. What were your thoughts? No Dana White in the presser. Uh, quieter. Wasn't it? First of didn't all. Didn't it feel yeah. more relaxed also? Like not quite as angry? Yeah. And, and two, this is the one that I thought of. Because whenever I don't see Dana at an event, uh, the first thought that goes into my head is, I'm not fucking getting on a plane. My only complaint, because first of all, let me just applaud. I think Dana should have done this a long time ago. It's not like the man doesn't get enough time in front of a microphone, but he's terrible at managing those po- post-fight pressers. Like, he just really sucks at it. Yeah, he does. This guy seemed really good at disarming reporters and talking to them, except anytime they asked him any fucking question about what the UFC was thinking he would immediately respond to me, look, I, I don't make any decisions. That's that's all Dana. And so, like, I don't do anything. And then would proceed to just say that over and over again. So, UFC, if you're going to send someone that's not Dana White, maybe you should empower them to speculate just a little bit or talk to them about what you're thinking, because, fuck, that was annoying. I do love the idea of disarming people by being like, well, I'm not a big city lawyer. But if I were, this is how I'd handle it. But of course, I'm not in charge. I'm not one of those fast-talking, bald Boston boys that you're used to dealing <laughs> with. I'm just a man with a beard. <laughs> Mint julep, anybody? <laughs> if he had wore a seersucker, he would yep. be my new personal hero and desktop That's- background. Now I know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I like a good seersucker, especially if you're going to be down in Brazil. Yeah, I mean, come course. on. I'll, allow me to go for a second. Wasn't it a good night for Rafael's? Mm hmm. It was a great night. It really was a shocking night for people that was, share your name. That is correct. And again, somebody who's on this podcast who shares my name. I mean, I'm just saying, uh, Rafael like Dos- When you declared that you win because other Rafael's were winning. Yeah, dude, it's by proxy. It's math. (laughs) Don't you know transformative property? (laughs) It's math. It's math. Can't argue with that, people. If you're listening, uh, you understand why working with Raph is such a treat sometimes. It's math. And the worst part is when you were like, I think Evan Dunham win. And I go, well, they're going to hand it to Rafael. Just because how do you not, especially with the Brazil crowd? And lo and behold, they do. And everybody's really angry And yes, Evan Dunham did a really good job. Like, I thought he did enough to make it super, uh, super close, not for him not to be put uh, ahead. But in my brain, I was just like, Rafael's going to win this because that's the way that tonight's going. And uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, which, as we know, means two Anjos. Two. Mm -hmm. And then Rafael Natal, who I was surprised gave up tennis to start doing UFC. (laughs) I think if I ever heard someone utter the phrase, I gave up tennis to do UFC, I would be surprised. I don't think there's ever a time someone would say that and be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. A tennis player beforehand. What did you think of Jacare? Oh, God. Okay, first of all, uh, props to Chris Camusi, who did step up to take the fight last minute. But yeah. the whole time you're watching it, because uh he 's so good at jiu Jitsu, and you see him passing the guard at will, like there was no resistance. he just said i 'm past your guard now, that is it, yeah
1: yeah we he are fighting here over fighting here. Like, like it right. was
0: just here 's what I like about when I see high level jiu jitsu though Jacare was doing some serious striking, yes, it just Gives you that validation that if you really do hone in on that one skill, it makes you phenomenally hard to fight against. Of course, uh, I would say in your instance, not so much. But yes, in general, for people, if yeah, they obviously, other working at something, yeah, other people, not us, not us, not us. No. I also, uh, I'm going to say this. I like Luke Rockhold a lot more after seeing both the way he got kicked in the face and the way he handled the fight. But talk me through your initial reaction when you see Vitor. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about Jacare? I mean, it was beautiful, but... No, I, I think we, we've we covered the ground on that. Yeah. Uh, we both want the picture. We want him to sign our arm triangle autograph picture for yes. the wall of verbal Tap. <laughs> What did you think when you saw Vitor Belfort spin around and just knock his head off with his foot? Uh, Okay, so he had telegraphed it a little earlier in the fight where he tested one out, and I said, okay, that's kind of cool. And whenever I see something athletic like that, I always kind of go, man, that's really cool to see. I wonder if that will happen. And when he starts to do it the second time, and my brain is following it, I just said, oh, that's a... Whoa, that's not going to work. Oh, shit. (laughs) And he's dead. Wow. Wow. And then all I could say for 30 seconds after was, wow. 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 Like, I almost went to Twitter, and I (laughs) almost tweeted out and then took it back. Just, wow. (laughs) I was like, that's not even articulate. That's all you... But that... If you look at, like, what other fighters were tweeting, that's basically what everyone tweeted. Everyone was just like, Benson Henderson just tweeted, wowzer. He added the zur on the end with seven exclamation points. Stealing from, apparently, Inspector Gadget that evening. What was your thought? Uh, Well, I think Bubba McDaniel speaks for me when he just started tweeting out various acronyms <laughs> <that> for <laughs> oh, oh, oh My God, basically, is all it was. Oh, here's Bubba McDaniels. WTF for explanation That was so crazy. I didn't think it was possible to make that sound even sillier than the way it was written. But then yeah. I heard you say it, like a Cranky puppet. <laughs> That's That's pretty much channeling my inner, well, you do the Bubba voice better than I do. I was surprised, much like Luke was, I think. It was just, it came out of nowhere, and I wasn't expecting Vitor Belfort to spinning back kick his way into a title shot, but sure enough. Well, we were, yeah, we were joking off air where it was mostly that it looked like Rockhold didn't respect the kick enough, where he's just like, this is a good, ow. And yeah. just as he sees where it's coming, it's just too late, and you, all you see is his hair poof up. Yeah, <laughs> he got kicked but, so hard in the goddamn face. That great moment with the spitting back kick just makes the podcast come to a halt because we're giggling <laughs> too much. I'm sorry. Like, if you have sent me a GIF, a GIF, just so everybody. Seconds before the show started, that was just the kick on loop, and it's hard to stop watching. Like, it turns you Have you've been watching it the whole time. I have it playing in the background, but I, I'm trying not to focus on it because it'll get me. All right, so All right, Kevin, I gotta pull you back in. Yeah, thank you. Nice, that's good. Good partner podcasting, thank you. And we. Need to stop all this silliness to bring on our guest and as we bring on the greatest jiu-jitsu fighter from the United States ever. Named Raphael. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest, Well, if we read his entire resume, we'd run out of time just getting over that, so I'm going to hit the highlights. He's won the European Open Championships, the Pan-American Championships, the Brazilian National Championships, and the World Championships at the black belt level, and that was all in the same year. He's also one of very few black belts to be a world champion, both gi and no gi, the most decorated American jiu-jitsu fighter Rafael Lovato, Jr., how are you doing tonight, Raphael?
1: Man, I'm doing good myself. Uh, you know, I'm, it's been a little bit of a rough day out here in Oklahoma, um, so I'm, my heart is with everyone that's been affected by the tornadoes today. But, uh, you know, thankfully, uh, myself, my academy, and as far as I can tell, all my students um, are, are safe and sound. My family, we're all good. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's definitely some, quite a bit of tragedy that happened today um out here but sadly that's a that's a part of living in this area of the country and especially this time of year it's it's kind of like one of those things that we're you know always prepared for but uh but i'm doing good man uh my life couldn't be better and uh i will be um, getting ready to take off to california here in a couple of days so i'm super excited
0: Fantastic. And yes, Raph and I actually were were following the news in the Midwest, and the thoughts and prayers of Verbal Tap are with the people of the Midwest. I'm from Kansas, so yeah, it's just uh, this time of year, it gets it gets very up there. But to take it back towards Jiu Jitsu and MMA, can I just say what a pleasure it is to finally have a Raphael on this podcast who's actually good at Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> Hey, he is 100% accurate on this. Uh but that's okay. We we there's no way we can really compare records. Uh especially when do you, I have to ask this question? Do you have to get like a storage locker for all of your awards and trophies and all that? Uh
1: no, you know, like um my parents still have a lot of my old trophies uh, at their house, so I mainly just have the, the medals. Like I got a bunch of trophies when I was a kid. Um you know, at some of those smaller local tournaments. So, Mm -hmm. um, I I just keep, keep the medals, the, the easy ones.
0: That's probably a smarter choice. And we're stoked to do this interview tonight. We were trying to do it yesterday, but you and your father had a pretty big moment yesterday. Would you like to tell us what your martial arts school, um, what happened yesterday?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this year's a big milestone. Yesterday wasn't exactly actually the official day. Um, I think it was uh, February or March of nineteen ninety-three of when my father first opened um, our martial arts school here in Oklahoma City. And uh, it just we, we wanted to wait till the summer um, to have a big uh, outdoor like barbecue party and things like that. So we actually celebrated our twenty-year anniversary yesterday um we had like i don't know at least a couple hundred people uh if not a little more um all get together at this park we had a barbecue and play games and stuff and and uh, just had a great day with all our students and friends and family and uh you know celebrated our, our 20 years it's been a it's been a crazy amazing journey and uh you know just hard hard to believe that time went by so fast and and, you know, we are where we are today. So, but uh, we're, we're very proud of that.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, well, congrats because a 20 year anniversary. And I think this is interesting, especially with you and your father running the martial arts school. What does it mean for you and your father? And for people that don't know, first father son American combos to become black belts. So you guys were the first time in history that happened. What does it feel like 20 years later?
1: Um you know, that's that's a special thing. You know, like, like it, that's not something that we set out to do. Like, nothing that we really even thought about as it was happening, you know. Uh, he, he got his black belt first a year before I did, um, which is one common misconception a lot of people have is due to my name, they think that, um, you know, my father is Brazilian, and he was a black belt since I was a kid and, and everything. And I, I grew up learning to, to uh, but my father, his, his, uh, heritage is Spanish from, from Spain. And, um, you know, so in, he, he was raised here in the state as long as with his, his, uh, parents and grandparents. So, you know, we're totally American. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he is a lifetime martial artist and, you know, he started learning jujitsu, um, whenever I was a teenager and, um, and began t- teaching me as he was learning it and. And then I started traveling and learning it, and you know we would we would kind of like take turns uh, between him traveling and I'm I'm traveling and come home and teach each other what we learned and everything. And anyways, he ended up getting his black belt a year before I did, and then I got my black belt the next year. And then we kind of figured it out, like, oh hey, we're the first American father to son Jiu black belts, <laughs> you know. And,
0: um, so that's gotta that, be a that, cool uh, moment to figure
1: out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really cool. It, I think it was about a year later, um, the Sarah brothers, their father received his black belt from Henzo Gracie. So, uh, you know, we weren't, like, way ahead of everyone else. There was, there was a couple other um, father and son duos that uh, ended up getting their black belts, I think, within a year or so after us. But, um, but we were the first, and that's something that can never be taken away, so we're very happy about that
0: yeah it wasn't like any but your neighbors got together and was like wait how close are they <laughs> we got to beat these guys yeah. real quick quick son get on it uh you know there was something that i thought that was so cool about uh your background which is that when you were 16 or 17 you would travel to california to pick up jiu-jitsu techniques that you would then bring back to your dad can you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah so you know that's kind of like what i was saying earlier um you know, during this time You know, we've been in Oklahoma the whole time Um, as we were Learning Jiu-Jitsu, and uh, you know, obviously There was no Jiu-Jitsu in Oklahoma Um, you know, especially back Then, uh, when Jiu-Jitsu was still So new to the country, you know The Brazilians, the Black belts that were here in the U.S. Were mainly either in Florida California, or You know, Henzo was in New York Um, so no matter You know, how you look at it, they were all as far away as possible from us, okay? So uh, we had to travel um, to learn and, you know, uh, get any sort of access to quality training and high-level instruction and tournaments as well. So, um, you know, it became easier for my my dad to kind of send me out to travel and, and, you know, uh, train and compete and everything. Once I got to be about 16 and 17, he was getting more and more busy with the academy, and I was a little older, so, uh, you know, he could kind of pretty much send me everywhere, and then I would come home and, um, and you know, share with him what I learned, and, um, you know, by then, uh, Carlos Machado was living in Texas. He moved to Dallas, Texas, um, and he became, like, the closest person that we had um, in, in our area to learn from and train with. Uh and, you know, so we were very, very fortunate to have him, um, which pretty much was because of Chuck Norris. So yeah. My life my life was greatly impacted by Chuck Norris indirectly. Um Wait, Norris. whose but, wasn't with uh, yeah. Walker
0: Texas Ranger around that same time.
1: Yeah, I know. That's that's why uh, you know, uh Chuck was, was there um, you know, filming the show and everything and, and he wanted to learn jiu-jitsu, and he was training with Machado brothers. So he yep. brought Carlos Machado to Dallas, and Carlos's first academy was in the studio where they were filming *Walker, Texas Ranger*. I remember, tr- <laughs> I remember training in there, and when the red light would great, come by on, the- when the red when the red light would come on, we would all have to stop training and be completely quiet because they were filming on the set, and then the light would go off, and then we could start training again. So. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I remember that. So, uh, but my father was going down there, but, you know, I was wanting to compete a lot. So uh, on my spring break and my Christmas break and things like that, summer, when I wasn't in school, I would go to California, do uh, like a week of training, compete in the tournament and then come back home. And uh, and so I would have the training experience, I would have the competition experience um, to come home and then, like, you know, show my father everything that I learned and, and had, was was watching and seeing, and then we would start to put it all together and drill it, and, uh, you know, I have kept up that routine for, you know, just about 1999 was my first Pan Ams and World Championships, so I've literally not stopped doing that for right about 15 years.
0: That's uh, That's pretty impressive. Most people get together with their dad, they watch the ball game, uh, you get a, a much more active thing. That's got to be pretty cool. Now, I, I have a very serious question. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Serious question. Do you have any Chuck Norris facts? Since you firsthand were basically influenced and have a better life because of him, do you have any Chuck Norris facts that you can affirm or deny for us?
1: Man, I wish I did. You know, I'm really sad that <laughs> I never even saw him i never what? saw him one one time <laughs> oh my never, god no one did he, he he pretty much only did uh private lessons um maybe you know, that's
0: the fact no yeah, one sees yeah, chuck that's, norris
1: yeah yeah there you go there you go he's there but he's not there yeah right so. like a true ninja
0: <laughs> <laughs> we've read that you started off uh doing uh jkd and boxing what was it that convinced you to do jiu-jitsu over those disciplines what was it that really drew you to it
1: well um man like i think i was just made for jiu-jitsu i think it's just inside of me you know um i was uh pretty competitive in amateur golden gloves boxing um from around the ages of nine to twelve and um that was kind of like my focus and you know that was what I was really like wanting to pursue and my uh my first goals and dreams were to become an Olympic boxer and uh that you know like my father's side of the family um has quite a few professional boxers uh you know my father grew up boxing that was his his first martial art was boxing before um he was influenced by Bruce Lee and went more into the traditional martial arts and jkd but um you know boxing was kind of in our blood and uh you know that's what i was into but you know after 3 years or so of of doing boxing you know 5 6 days a week for 3 hours at a time i i started to get pretty burnt out and you know there's only so many punches that you can do um you know and, and as a kid like i i uh I, I was losing it a little bit and but we were like through jkd there was some like indonesian grappling some uh you know some like uh shoot shooto some shoot fighting mm-hmm. that that was incorporated into jkd so we were a, aware before jiu jitsu came around we we were aware that brown fighting was Something, you know, that that, that that was an aspect of martial arts that existed and that you needed to know. But what we knew of then was very not technical, you know, very rough and, you know, just ugly stuff that, you know, that was all we could get our hands on then. And um, that, even then at that time, I was already kind of like good at that stuff. And that was something that I was. I already felt natural at, and so then when we started learning the real, you know, jujitsu and learning the techniques, and, uh, and I could see like, oh, wow, this is something totally different, and, you know, I started to be able to get good at it right away, and I was already kind of a big kid, I was really tall and lanky, so, you know, I was able to start submitting adults when I was just like 13 years old with triangles and stuff like that. And so, you know, right then and there, I started clicking, like, okay, this is is more fun, and this is what I'm made to do, and this is what I'm going to, you know, put everything into. That's awesome. But boxing and and, and Muay Thai, I still have a love for that stuff, and I don't train it as much as I used to, but um, I do still train it. So almost before it was
0: a thing you were you were an actual mixed martial artist. You were doing the mMA from very early
1: on yeah, I mean that's pretty much doing mixed martial arts um, since a very young age, like probably one of the first teenagers growing up doing mixed martial arts uh, at, at that time, you know because I was aware of the u f c since the since UFC won and I was a teenager already doing all that stuff. Hmm.
0: Yeah, UFC 1 is such a fun thing to watch, especially now if you go back and just watch.
1: It. Well, that is that where you saw Jiu-Jitsu just before that. He already knew about Royce and Horyan, he knew uh you know, we knew that Hoyce was going to win, you know. So, um Your dad had the seen great. these guys
0: just like so he discovered Jiu-Jitsu just moments before UFC 1. Yeah,
1: I don't know if it was the year that year, or the year before uh whenever because, you know, every year they had uh, JKD instructors conferences Where all the JKD instructors would come together And spend the week together And they would have different instructors um, For different days according to the art So they would have, you know An instructor for the Muay Thai day For the Kali day For the Pinjak Silat day You know, just all these different days of Wing Chun, And then they had uh, the Gracies there For the ground fighting day um, And it was in LA Way back, you know and uh, and so that's when my father got exposed to the Gracies. Um, and it was pretty much you know just before um, the UFC came out. Very cool.
0: Changing gears just a little bit. Do you remember your first grappling
1: match? No, no, I, I don't remember my first I remember my like we, we like I said, we, we had been exposed to Ground fighting, and when we started learning jiu jitsu, we didn't even have gi- gis or anything. Um, you know, so like some of the first tournaments I did were without the gi and we always did no time limit. You know, we never, there was never like points. You know, I grew up training the submission only, you know, mindset, the UFC back in the day, you know, yeah. no time, it was no time limit, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, like the long matches and things like that were things I was accustomed to um, since I was a kid. You know, we never trained with a timer. Uh, it was always just, you know, go to the submission. Um, so the very first sort of grappling competition I did, I didn't have, even have a gi on. Uh, I remember my first big competition that I ever did was in 1997 and it was at the um, House Gracie Invitational Tournament. uh, I'm not sure what it was called exactly, but House Gracie was hosting it, and it was in Virginia. And uh, that was the first time I traveled um, outside of Oklahoma or Texas uh, to compete in a big tournament. The Machado team took a a big team there. And uh, I was 14 years old, and I got armbarred my first match by a Brazilian kid. Uh, I don't remember his name. I don't think he ever, uh, like became a, you know, an adult, like jujitsu competitor or anything. Uh, but I got on bar. I couldn't pass his guard and I got caught in the last 30 seconds. And, um, and that was the first time my elbow ever popped, uh, oh. was in that match. And so I was, I was really sad. I remember crying, but, uh, that was my first match, uh, my first big match, and at that same competition it was the first time I got to see uh, jiu-jitsu, like, because, um, you know, I, I hadn't traveled to any other big competitions, so I got to see good high-level jiu-jitsu, and, and at that tournament, I watched Margarita. Um, he was like a 16 or 17-year-old blue belt, and he won the weight and absolute um, in the adult division uh, at that competition
0: what we see jiu-jitsu now is obviously not what jiu-jitsu competitions look like when you would have started
1: um some of the local tournaments like i remember doing uh like uh carlos and shadow he used to get uh uh some of the karate tournaments in texas um to hold a grappling division uh for you know kids and adults and separated by experience and stuff but um you know, it, it was jujitsu. you know, but, um, uh, you know, yeah, definitely the tournaments then were way different than what you see today, for sure.
0: Give us an idea of what your, uh, what Rafael Lovato's schedule is like these days.
1: Oh, it's nonstop, man. Like, it's, it's crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate to have so many great things happening in my life, um, you know, I, I get to travel a lot. Um, you know, it, it's pretty much 24/7. You know, like I, I'm I'm training, teaching, you know, traveling, competing, um, doing stuff for my business. You know, between between running an academy full time, you know, teaching, and I have my own competition team, my own guys, my association, and you know, my own competitions I prepare for uh, seminars, releasing DVDs and products. I have my online site, my members, uh, my students online that I teach, you know, uh, I'm married and, uh, got to make time for that. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite a schedule, but, uh, you know, it it couldn't be better. I love every second of it.
0: Like, how does your, like, is there ever a moment when your brain just doesn't think jujitsu? Like, even let's say if you're on vacation are you still thinking it yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yes
1: not even a hesitation I, that's good yeah, I, i'm one of those guys that has a hard time sleeping and i'll wake up in the middle of night and start writing things down and <laughs> you know like like uh, i'm 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 kind of i am my my wife she always says i'm I'm extremist you know i'm like yeah you know but i think every a really competitive person is, is going to be like that, you know?
0: I mean, I'm not even super competitive, but, like, in my brain, I know when I'm on a vacation, I was just on a road trip recently, the first thing that popped in my head was when it hit a day when I was supposed to be training, I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm not there. I'm in a car. I always get edgy, too. I get You can tell. Like, if I haven't been training for a week, I get just a little bitchy a little antsy. Uh, no, I totally hear that.
1: Yeah, that, that'll happen to me too. But I, you know, I, I try to time my, like usually when I travel, it's for a seminar or something like that. It kind of revolves around that. So I, I'm always like on the map, but every now and then I'll do a trip, um, you know, with my wife where maybe we're, you know, pure vacation or a few days of pure vacation before I go do the seminar or whatever it is I'm doing. But, yeah. um, I try to turn it off, you know, and and um, that that's an important thing to do so I can come back fresh, but it's yeah. it's hard. It, it's always in my mind, and I'll think of positions. I'll think of something I want to try to work on or train. I'm always trying to develop my game, and, and I always have ideas, so I'll just make notes of it, and then, and then when the next time I'm on the mat, I'll jump in. I just like the idea of you
0: at a restaurant being like, yeah, I'll have the filet, and you know what? That guard pass could be better. Damn it. Why genius? Does somebody have a piece of paper I can write on? Uh, Yeah, I
1: got iPhone. That's what the iPhone's for. That (laughs) is
0: what the iPhone's for. Now, Kevin and I we we've seen uh some of the videos from Brazil, but but we want you to take us through the whole experience. So like describe from from the moment you get there, how far back do you get there? How is that preparation going? Uh, the matches? Just give us the whole deal. We want to hear all about this. He's one of two Americans, by the way, to win the Brazilian Nationals. Um, that's worth yeah. T- please talk us through it.
1: Actually, I'm the only American.
0: You're the only one. BJ Penn oh not God. also? Am no, I he, messing
1: that he up? Won, he won, he oh won the World Championships. I'm hey. so
0: sorry, Rafael.
1: No, I have okay. the worst okay.
0: co-host. I apologize. You are the only one to win the Brazilian National, the only American to win the Brazilian National Tournament.
1: Yes, yes, and Vijay okay. won the World Championships, yes. um, uh, and I was the second to win the Worlds. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, wow, what can I say? I'm um, actually am, am just releasing a long kind of video interview um, uh, with a lot of detail of my whole experience. Everyone can, can see that on my Facebook. I'm actually going to put it up tomorrow. Um, it's like a 20, 30 minute long interview, but I'm going to give you guys the, the rundown. Um, you know, basically Brazil competing in Brazil to me is a, is a really special thing. Um, like I said earlier, the first time I went was in 1999, um, when I was 16 years old, actually had just turned 16 the month before I went. And, uh, you know, like, I'll never forget the years way back then, you know, into the early 2000s, um, you know, the the competing in Brazil, what it was like, training there. You know, it was way different even than what it is today because everybody still lived there. You know, all the top guys that were active still lived in Brazil um, at that time. And, you know, the world championships, the the energy inside – the jiu Tennis club the the classic matches uh, that i saw back then just you know like and and it was like every at that time it was almost like um this hidden land you know what i mean the 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 jiu jitsu guys were were really like kind of mythical because you would hear about them you would hear their name but most of them you didn't get to see if you did get to see some of them the only other time you could see them was at, was at the pan ams Cause that was the only major tournament that was held in the U S and even then the Pans were like back in Hawaii at that time. They were in Florida, uh, you know, and like a lot of people didn't get to, didn't get, didn't get to go and see them. Um, there was no inner, you know, there was no YouTube, there was no like videos online. You could see there's VHS tapes, you know what I mean? That you could try to find and get your hands on. So, yeah. you know, it was, it was a whole different, a whole different scene. And you know there I am, a teenager growing up you know competing there year after year and uh and it was just amazing it was a it was a you know a time in my life that I'll never forget like I was so hungry to to grow up and be like one of those guys, you know and um, and you know I set my my lifelong goals like way back then, you know when I first started going to Brazil, especially in two thousand um uh, i I won two medals in the juvenile division. Um, uh, and I watched BJ Penn, uh, win that year, you know? And so like, it was just, you know, like I said, competing in Brazil and being in that environment is, it's just a special thing for me. And, uh, and so this year I made, I made specific plans. Um, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wasn't going to do the pan. I wasn't going to do the Europeans. I wasn't going to do the Abu Dhabi pro. Um, a lot of which was, was factors of, of me being a little older and trying to be smart. Um, last couple of years, I did like the whole season of Europeans and Abu Dhabi pro and the pan and all these tournaments in between. And by the time I got to worlds, I was a little drained and that was kind of the, the part of me that just keeps doing what I always do. Um, you know, kind of being stubborn, but, but I realized that my body just, it doesn't, it can't do that like it used to. And also my mind, you know, I've been doing this for so long. I need to make sure I save myself for what I'm really motivated for. So coming into this year, I knew I was going to skip all those tournaments because I didn't really feel like doing it, even though it was hard to stay on the sideline. I knew that it was better that I didn't do it. And I did what I really wanted to do. And that was go to Brazil and compete again in Brazil. And, uh, and I set out to win that absolute. That was my, that was the reason why I wanted to go to Brazil. I always wanted to win the absolute in Brazil. And since the worlds aren't held there in Brazil anymore, the Brasileiro was, was the next biggest thing that I could do. So, uh, you know, that was the plan. One of my Brown belt students ended up going with me and, uh, we got there like the week before we went, we went to Rio first, um, stayed at my good friend, uh, Rodrigo Pagani's house. He runs the Hibeto Jiu-Jitsu association in Brazil. Uh, he's an awesome guy, great teacher, uh, great competitor. He has a camp, uh, um, and meets that he holds every year. Uh, he has a beautiful academy, beautiful place. Was that the one that was in.
0: featured on their version of sports center that you had up?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that was an we awesome were. place. Yeah. 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 We were in his academy. Um, and, um, you know, so I highly recommend anyone that wants to experience Brazil, um, next time Pagani has a camp, go there. Um, but uh, anyway, so I was, you know, surrounded with a friend, good energy, good training, uh, you know, got to go to the beach, get some good food and just mm-hmm. relax. And then we went to Sao Paulo. Um, and uh, my my student, he actually competed first on Saturday morning. And he killed his division, four matches, three submissions, never got scored on. He dominated so. Uh he was in the master brown belt um medium heavy division. He became my first student to become does a little champion. And so I had already won as a coach and uh and he gave me the good energy for me to get on the mat and uh and so then I had my absolute uh on the first day, Saturday. Um it was a big absolute, almost fifty guys, tons of big names, tons of tough guys, uh lots of world champions in there and man it was uh first day it was a long day it was like over 4 hours to to fight down to the final 2 50 uh, guys
0: is huge for an absolute at least that sounds huge to me that sounds
1: yeah it was big you know it was like a it was like a mini world you know pretty much like mm. you know there was just a few guys missing that that would be at the worlds you know but then there's a couple other guys down there that a lot of times can't get visas and, and get to the worlds you know so Uh, it's a whole, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing, you know, like, there's a lot of guys down there that are still coming up and tough that you don't hear about here in the U.S. because of visa issues or money issues, sponsors and things like that, so, um, you know, and, uh, and, you know, then the other aspect is you're fighting on their home turf, you know, people have to understand it's hard for them to come to to the U.S., um, not just because of, uh, you know, the obvious, you know, getting a, a ticket and all that other stuff, but, uh, the language, um, having a place to stay, recovering from the flight, you know all that sort of stuff we Americans definitely have the advantage i mean obviously we're competing in our country so uh, to go and fly down there and compete on their home turf, you know then you can kind of feel what they're going through you know and um, and so it's a whole another a whole nother vibe you know you're on their turf um, it's their tournament you know, and all the other uh, obvious things you have to go through to to be successful down here. But uh, basically I had four matches on the first day. Um, I submitted two of them. Uh, I didn't really run into any, any problems. I was pretty much ahead in all my matches. I had one really hard match, uh, which was the quarterfinals in my third match. That was the closest match I had. Um, I only won by advantage. Uh, I was against a really tough uh, checkmate guy. And uh, he has a strong, Base really strong judo background, so he's really hard to sweep, and and uh, we ended up having a, a pretty tight match. It was kind of some stalemating going on, um, but uh, you know that's part of the part of the battles you have to go through in a big division. Is there's always going to be a guy that can stylistically, you know, give you a, a really hard time, you know, and uh, you know I knew obviously I was going to run into at least one of those people that was going to be a close match, and and I was you know happy I made it out uh the victor you know even though I'd love to win by submission it's it's much more complicated with the time and the points and everything the rules so uh, you know pretty much besides for that I was able to submit everybody and be, be in control in all my matches um, on the first day in the semifinal I submitted uh alessandro Sicconi with a Kimura he a really tough guy he's a, a medalist in the world to absolute um, you know so he's one of the top top five, if, you know, uh, at least top ten, if not top five out there. And, um, and so to submit him, you know, I was, just, I was just on fire that day, basically. You know, I felt, I felt in the zone. I was so inspired um, and motivated uh, to be competing back in Brazil. I, I, last time I was there was in 2010, you know, three years ago. And before that was 2007, you know, the, right when the world switched to the U.S. So since the world's that came to the U.S., I've I've only been back to Brazil a couple times, you know. So going there again and and just being back and feeling like like the old days, you know, and 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 also being back in there as, you know, one of the guys that I as I used to, I used to look up to, you know, like I used yeah. to be a kid there looking at the, at the top. Brazilians, you know, winning in the black belt absolute. you know, that that's the most prestigious division, I used to watch in awe of those guys, you know and then to be there years later, you know fighting and winning and doing my thing there you know, as, as like kind of full circle, you know uh, in my life journey uh, I was just, man, I was in the zone, like nothing was going to stop me I could really feel it, like it was just an amazing feeling and people were watching me, you know, and I have Brazilian fans asking to take pictures of me, you know, it's just like, wow, I I couldn't, you know, it's really hard for me to describe, you know, like... I mean, that was something I
0: really did want to know was what was the reaction of the audience uh, there who were all obviously Brazilians, like, what was that
1: like? Well, you know, so then the next day, you know, I, I had the final and I, you know, after I won, um you know, it was quiet. You know, I had my, I had a, I had a little applause, um, you know, obviously, I, you know, probably 95, 98% of the people were rooting for the other guy, you know, obviously, you yeah. know, um, but, um, but I think, you know, it, it wasn't the way I fought, you know, and the way that I, I showed my jujitsu, I think that people can, can see that, and, and Brazilian or not, whatever. Like, uh, I think I earned their respect, and and you know they could see my my desire and, and my will to win, and and uh, I played I played my game, and I I went for the submission, you know, and that's that's uh you know no better way to win, you know, you have to respect that. So, um, you know, like, and I I did have some people like congratulating, especially fellow competitors. Um, a lot of the guys that I compete against and are in my division a lot you know I'm friends with a lot of these guys you know I like to talk to them um, even people I've faced before you know uh, you know you kind of get to know each other a little bit and you have a mutual respect for the other guys you know and uh, a lot of the other competitors uh, especially the guys in my weight class uh, Tosa um, some of the other guys Sacconi they were all very uh, uh, you know congratulatory to me and and, you know, they they knew that I, I deserved it and it was my, my time, my day and uh and so um, you know, it was just it was just an incredible thing, you know. I I felt like I really played my game, I had one of my best performances ever. And to do it in Brazil and become the first non Brazilian to win a major Black belt Absolute, um, you know, that's that's what I You know, that's the sort of thing that I've set out to do since
0: I was a kid, you know. And from a jiu-jitsu perspective, and this is what I like, You know, the Brazilians are just going to respect good jiu-jitsu, and your jiu-jitsu game is so different. And it is unique, and especially at the point where you can make it through a 50-guy absolute. And absolute, by the way, you're talking about people that can be upwards of, like, way outside of your division, weight-wise, which is what's so interesting. I mean, that's a feat. So I'd imagine even to watch... At first American do it they were just uh, probably in a little bit of awe I, I,
1: I don't know I don't know what they were thinking <laughs> I know what I was thinking I knew that you know I, I, I had a I had a smile on my face before <laughs> I, I before I before I walked out to the final like I just I, I I saw my moment right there it was right in front of me and all I had to do was go go get it you know and and um uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's that 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 moment will stay with me for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I did what I went there to do. So, well, keeping in the theme of going out there
0: and and getting it, uh, that Kimura. Yeah, one, one. <laughs> let let's have a moment for that. Uh, but two is vicious. Uh, <laughs> and so when I'm watching it, you know, the first thing I see is I'm I'm like hmm. Well, that doesn't look foreign to to Mr. Lovato Jr. there. And if you look at your yep. highlight reel, it's been a pretty consistent move that you've been able to pull off. So describe uh, to us that moment when you see that, that Kimura, or when you, you, like your brain, like you just go, yep, okay, here it is. I grabbed it. It's mine. Thanks.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, the Kivora is, is one of my... Uh, you know, obviously, bread and butter, like one of my, my best finishes. Um, you know, I I just, I just, because I, you know, it's funny you guys bring that up. I, I've actually, uh, uh, just finished filming, um, a whole submission series over all my best submissions. Um, it's going to be a new, a new DVD set coming out here real soon this summer. And, uh, obviously, the Kimura is going to be, um, it's own DVD. I have a whole, a whole series on the Kimura. Uh, some of which some people have seen already, like my students online and my, on my, uh, online coaching program. I've already, I've already seen all my Kimura details. So, uh, for those that are interested, it will be out there for everyone to learn. Um, but basically, uh, that was actually one of Carlos Machado's best techniques was, the, was the Kimura. And, uh, And so he taught it to me. Um, I got a lot of his details from a a young age. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I started doing when I was really young. And most people think, when they think of Kimura, they think of kind of a big man move, a power move, um, something that you have to be stronger than the other person to to get. And, uh, you know, that's really not true. Um, uh, I started hitting it a lot. 14, 15 years old. You can see it in my highlight reel. I have proof. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was 15 years old hitting that on, on grown men, adults. Um, and so there is a lot of details into it. There's a lot of leverage, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of which, you know, I've just refined and refined and and typed and, and made it my own um, over the years. And now, as, as a black belt, that is one of my highest percentage submissions. You know, I have like I don't know, I think like 60 submissions uh, as a black belt and about uh, 20% of them are Kimura's. So, um, you know, it's one of my best finishing positions. Um, it's pretty much instinctive. I, I can attack both sides, both arms. I have a couple uh, like, you know, main ways I set it up, but there's tons of different ways that I will set it up. But usually I get one of two that most people give me and, uh, and, you know, really, like, if you put your arm there, uh, you know, that's, that's my spot, you know, and, and, uh, and I feel so, so good there that I feel confident I'm going to get it every time. And a lot of it, too, people don't, don't understand, too. Many times it's easier to get it in competition because hmm. mentally their will breaks once you pass their guard. And so you pass someone's guard, If you attack right away while they're kind of like, oh, you know, and they kind of break a little bit, um, it's easier to catch. And uh, and nowadays, like sometimes it's just as soon as I break the grip, people are already tapping. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, So.
0: Well, I will say this. Uh, I literally looked up a video uh, because I wasn't happy with mine. I saw yours and it helped me to refine mine. So, yes, I'm completely ready for you to give a new set of DVDs or system to it. I'll say this. The scream after he finishes someone, like, yeah. after you finish someone, Raphael, is also probably going to be something we remember because it's kind of terrifying after you submit. Some, <laughs> when did you start doing that? Do you know?
1: Um, you know, like, it's funny because people, they see that, you know, and, and, and a lot of people think that, like, like, uh, I'm a mean guy, you know, and and, I, and people get intimidated to talk to me or whatever sometimes. But, um, you know, basically, that is the result of a dream coming true. You know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if you've ever had anything that you wanted so bad, you know, so, so bad that you dreamed about. I mean, okay, the absolute. I've never won A major absolute division at any belt until then okay so you're talking about 15 years of trying to get an absolute gold medal at a major at a major ibjjf competition a major being european pan brazilo or worlds i've made it on the podium at all of them at some point I wanted a belt, one of belt my belts as a black belt I've been on the I an absolute podium at the European pan in brazil uh, already before that you know uh, but never gold never gold and uh, and so you know if you want something for 15 years and you work day in day out to get it and you finally get it you're gonna scream too you know uh, basically when, when I when I have an emotional scream or something like that it's because i worked really 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 hard to make that happen and you know it's it's uncontrollable i can't describe it it just it just comes out of me because i want it so bad and you know and then it, it comes true and it happens and it's just like yes you know what i mean i did it you know and this is my moment you know And And nobody's going to dispute that.
0: But did you see the photo of the gentleman who was you afterwards? (laughs) It is slightly terrifying. (laughs) Like you're so intense with it that I was just like, this guy is ready to break something. But yes, (laughs) it makes way more
1: sense. But you do have to admit pretty awesome. When I'm out there. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm out there, I am a different person. Um, You know, you have to be. And, uh, And so like, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I have to do, you know, to, to win. And, 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 uh, you know, so you, you know, like I'm, I'm very focused and I'm intense and I I put myself in a zone and I just have one thing on my mind and that's going forward and, and not stopping.
0: Well, that's a good way to do it. Speaking of competition. Uh, we see that you have a competition coming up at Metamorphosis. Was that <laughs> <it was>? Metamorphosis. <laughs> Metamorphosis. I think Raspa doing this all week. <laughs> Metamorphosis. Speaking of Kumora, by the way, the last time you appeared on Metamorphosis, you beat Kron, was it Kron Gracie via... Kyron uh, yeah. Gracie via that same nasty Kumora.
1: Yeah, man, Metamorphosis. Um, the last one was amazing incredible event, big show, um, lots of media, you know, they treat the the athletes really, really well. And, they even uh, have drummers,
0: which I really like.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, they have the VIP, they have, uh, uh, you know, just a nice, nice stadium. Um, you know, you can get drinks there, good food, like the whole thing. So,
0: now, um, what are you expecting from, because you're fighting Andre Galvao. what are you expecting? What are you game planning?
1: Man, you know, this is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> like, for me, this is, I-, I couldn't ask for a better match. This is exactly what I wanted. Um, Galvao, I have so much respect for him. He's, uh, you know, he's one of the top five greats um, for sure um, ever. Yeah. Um, extremely accomplished you know what can i say i mean you know he's multiple time world champion adcc champion uh, you know no one no one denies the fact he's one of the best pound for pound um to ever do it so um, you know uh, uh, i'm just so thankful to have um such a a well-known opponent such a respected re- opponent um you know I, I i i can't wait you know i just can't wait um I've wanted to face Galvao. Um, we have faced each other before. Uh, last time was in 2008, and, uh, and he submitted me that day. That was at the World Championships um, in the Absolute Divisions quarterfinals uh, right before he fought Hozier. And uh, at that time, you know, like, I wasn't really, like, at a place to mentally to, like, uh, you know, technically as well. But, um, you know, he was better than me then. I'll just say it like that, you know? And, um, uh, our match was, was good. It was close, um, for like five or six minutes or so. And then, uh, I made a mistake. He, he was able to take my back and then submit me. So, um, you know, and then w- anytime you lose to someone, especially by submission, you know, you're going to, you're going to think about that, you know, you're going to want to face that person again. So I've pretty much been thinking about it for five years. Uh, I've been wanting to have an opportunity to face him. It's almost happened here and there uh, a little bit. You know, he he kind of went off and did MMA for a while. And so I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get a chance. And so I think it's like destiny that it's supposed to happen in Metamorris, you know, for 20 minutes, submission only, Uh, you know, it's going to be an amazing battle. Um, I think people are going to see, you know, an extremely technical but aggressive match. You know, he he goes for the submission, I go for the submission. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's just going to be a beautiful war. That's how I'm describing it right now, uh, lately, in some of my interviews. It's a beautiful war, and I can't wait to to experience it. And uh, I'm very confident, um, you know, and uh, I know it's going to be a hard match, but but I definitely see myself getting my hands raised
0: at the end of it. I mean, we're definitely rooting for you. So that's not a problem on our end. Uh, we will say this with, with Galvella in particular, he was discussing a little bit about, uh, the rules last year after Metamorris. Uh, the question I do have for you is, can you speak a little bit about that 20 minute format and does that change your game plan? If at all?
1: Well, for me, it doesn't really change anything. Um, you know, like I said, I, to you guys earlier, I grew up doing these submission only matches when I was a kid, you know, like I, I I don't even remember really training with a timer until I was like a brown belt, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, I, it just like at home, you know, with my, with my students and my father, like we never really had too much of that points mindset, you know? Um, it was just always about going for submission. Um, Salo and Shanji, same same mindset. You know, I've had I've had hour long rolling sessions straight with Salo and Shanji uh, many Jesus. times, numerous times. This happens a lot, okay? <laughs> like they come into town, I go <laughs> into town over there, it's like, okay, yeah, you wanna roll? You know, thirty minutes later, we're still going. We kind of look at each other. <laughs> we got, we got to keep going. You know what I mean? That's the point. You got to You got to keep going to try to catch each other in the mistake, you know, and, and, Mm. and to be able to learn from it, you know what I mean? And we would just keep going and keep going. And sometimes we finally just have to be like, okay, we got to stop. This is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. So I've got, I've got
0: something baking in the oven. I got to (laughs) go.
1: Sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so this is like, this is normal. I think it's good for my game. Uh, you know, most of the time when I lose, it's like, you know, two points or advantage or something like that. It's, it's, a you know, I lose to the game, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and not necessarily like two better you So, um, you know, for, for me, I love it. My game doesn't really change either way. I'm not going to, you know, for people that are wondering, I'm not going to do a Huron kind of style <laughs> thing. And, and, where you just defend? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not going to defend. I'm going to try to to go forward. And if I'm going to make him tired, I'm going to make him tired from me being offensive, not from, from me just defending and, and making him tired from beating me up. You know what I mean? So, um,
0: in a way, I actually think it was Metamoris saying, All right, Andre, uh, upset with the defense, we're going to give you one of the most pressure filled <laughs> offensive attackers we've got. And I think that's, I think you're actually his punishment for speaking out. That was my theory. Uh,
1: no, I wouldn't say that. He, he, he I, 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 he wanted to match with me for sure. He had a choice. He had more of a choice than I did. You know, he's a, he's a more accomplished fighter than, than me. Um, uh, You know, and I I think he he had more of a choice on who he could face, myself or maybe uh, one or two other guys, and I think he chose me, um, also because he thinks that our our styles are going to make for a great match, and uh, the fans are gonna are gonna love every minute of it, and uh, you know, for for me, my game doesn't change. I don't think his game's going to change. We're going to go after each other, and it's going to so
0: much of fighting is mental, and you have seemingly mastered the mental side of fighting. Where do you go when you're entering a match? Just talk us th- through that mental place that you put yourself as you're getting on the mat.
1: You know, that, and it's funny you say that because I used to be my biggest weakness. Um, you know, like never having a black belt, high level guy here in my state, you know, my city to, to learn from day in, day out. Um, someone to mentor me. You know, I had I had to go through a lot of like ups and downs. You know, rough times trying to find myself and and gain the confidence to know that I'm one of the best. Even though I spent my whole life looking up to those people, I never really had one of those people to boost me up until I became close to solo and Shanji Bedo. And um, even then, once I started getting the big wins and and winning the major competitions, I still had some battles uh, because I didn't know how to handle being in that position. Now as one of the best guys, I put too much pressure on myself. Uh, I still like was unsure of myself and didn't let my jiu jitsu really open up or um, you know, I had, I had some, some mental weaknesses. Um, so that I would say, you know, in the last three 40 years has been, uh, you know, an area that I've really worked on in, in, in help get myself to a place where I was more consistent and, uh, and, you know, could really be at my best, um, you know, mentally, you know, which you have to be at your best mentally to be able to do anything. You know what I mean? Uh, physically, technically, those go out the window. If in your head you're not there. So, Um, now I feel like I'm, I'm at a much better place to be able to, to perform. Um, you know, I know how to, how to, how to keep myself in the zone, get myself in the zone, keep myself in the zone. Basically, it's all about confidence. It's all about confidence. If, if you think that you can't, then you can't. All right. Um, you won't, uh, if there's any doubt any negative thing that you say in your mind at any certain point. It doesn't have to be outright negative, but where maybe you're praising the other person in your head more than what you should be praising yourself. Or you're saying, you're saying things like, Oh man, that guy looks really, really strong. Or, or, Oh, I have five more matches. Oh, I don't know. Five Same. matches. Gosh, I just I just want this to be over. Or, uh, I've made it, i made it to the semifinals. Now, at least I know I get a medal, you know, at least I know I get a bronze medal. All that sort of stuff is negative and is going to make you lose or at least not be at your best. And, um, and so you, it it just became, you know, something that I had to train myself um, to, to, to keep, keep like build a wall and keep that out of there. And it's a constant fight. I mean, that, that stuff gets in your head easily, you know. It's, I, I, You know, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, you're going to have have that sort of stuff that you have to deal with, you know, on the inside. And, uh, and so, you know, like one thing I, I try to tell my students, you know, like there's three areas that you can always be trying to improve on, right? It's your physical, you know, which going to the gym, conditioning, anything like that that you're doing outside the mat is going to help you with your physical, all right? Technical, that's everything on the mat, okay? Uh, You know, training, drilling, um, you know, analyzing, studying footage, you know, anything you can do to help you technically, building games and strategies, you know, there's tons of things you can do to help yourself technically. But pretty much, if you're on the mat, you're helping yourself technically. But the area that most people neglect and don't even think about that much is mentally. What are you doing to make yourself mentally stronger? You know, how are you making sure that anything that you did mentally, you know, an error that you made mentally in the past, how are you going to make sure that doesn't happen again? You know, how, what are you saying to yourself when you're training? How hard are you pushing yourself? Because um, you have to get into a, a, uh, an area in your training to where you have to push yourself mentally, you know, and overcome things mentally. If you don't experience it in your training, um, you know, then you're not going to be mentally strong enough to deal with it when it happens to competition. Uh, you know, visualization, um, you know, auto-suggestion, what sort of things are you saying to yourself, you know, and I, and I pretty much, I, I, I try not to just be in the zone on competition, today, on competition day. I try to live in the zone, you know, and say things to myself all the time when I'm training, when I'm doing conditioning, before I sleep, when I'm driving to go to train, you know, when I'm driving to go do conditioning, um, I try to keep myself in the zone, uh, you know, and just positive visualization, positive visualization over and over and over again. So by the time it it's right there in front of me, I already know I'm going to get it. Okay. I already know this is exactly happening the way I saw it's going to happen. And this is something that I've manifested myself. You know, it feels that way sometimes, but. It doesn't always happen. You know, you're going to still lose, you know, occasionally, it's to, whatever, it happens. But you have to understand that's just part of your journey. That's part of your process. If you quit, within all the hard work or whatever you've already put in, it's going to be for nothing. So, um, you know, I just try to keep going and just, okay, that's done. What's next? All right. That happened for me to win over here, you know, stay positive. Okay. I learned from this. Now let's go to the next one, you know, um, if you don't have that sort of mindset, there's no way you're going to be successful. There's no way I would have won an absolute division after 15 years, you know, finally getting my first, you know? So those are the sort of things I, I, I do. You know, it's one of my, uh, you know, favorite things to talk about and try to put into people, but, um, it's, it's definitely the hardest, uh, thing that you can, um, improve on is mentally. I was going to say, that transitions nicely.
0: We, we do have a wide range of people who listen to our show at different belt ranks, uh, different disciplines, uh, but in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in particular, we've had some people who have asked us uh, from each of the ranks, white, blue, purple, brown, You know, what was the best advice you could give to them, and also what was the best advice you received at each of those different levels?
1: Uh, wow. Um, well, first thing I would say, You know, number one, don't compare yourself to others. All right. Everyone's journey is different. Some people can fly through the ranks a little faster. Some people are really great blue belts, purple belts, but never get their black belt. You know, Um, like you are on your own journey. And whatever happens before black belt, it's supposed to make you the best black belt you can be. so if you don't see it that way and you allow frustrations or temporary failures take over your mind and make you think that you're not good at this or it's not for you or these other guys are getting it better or faster than you or uh, whatever, then, you know, you're not really finding yourself and finding your your black belt self. And, um, you know, like, like I said, like, uh, you know, I I had a hard journey. I I was never a world champion in any of the lower belts um, until black belt, you know, and, uh, and so, like, you know, it doesn't really matter what happens at the lower belts. It doesn't really matter, you know, if you lose 100 matches in a row, but then you get your black belt and you've learned from that, you know what I mean, and then you use that positively and then you start winning as a black belt, whatever happened before doesn't even matter anymore, you know, um, so you, each, each person's journey is specific to them. Uh, don't try to be like anyone else. Don't try to compare yourself to anybody else. Just, you know, find yourself and don't be scared to challenge yourself and, and, uh, you know, um, uh, push, push it to your limit, you know? Uh, so, um, you know, nothing at the lower belt matters. Don't compare yourself to others. And, uh, you know, you got to see it through, you know, like a black belt is a white belt who never quit. You know, that's one of my favorite quotes um, mm-hmm. hanging up at hanging up my academy. One of my favorite personal quotes that isn't exactly pertaining to jiu-jitsu martial arts is victory is always possible for the person who refuses to stop fighting. That's a Napoleon Hill quote. Um, he's my favorite uh, author. Uh, you know, he really only did one book, Think and Grow Rich and that's my favorite book by far. Uh, but those are the sort of things um, that, you know, are really meaningful to me, uh, you know, never quitting and always uh, going forward trying to achieve your, your goals and dreams, you know. And that's pretty much the same thing as a black belt as a white belt who never quit, you know. So if you get into jujitsu, you know, understand that you're on your journey and you have to see it through to really gain the benefits and see the beauty of, of what you're experiencing. Um, and then once you get to black belt, it's really just the beginning. And then you have a whole new journey ahead of you. But, uh, uh as far as the best advice I've ever received, um, you know, it's hard to say, I, like, I, like I said before, uh, I never really had a black belt like here day in, day out. So a lot of what I got was kind of in bits and pieces here and there. Um, but you know, Saul—he uh, really gave me a lot of mentorship and guidance, and helped me get that mental uh, confidence and, and find that that uh, other person that now you see in competition. Um, I didn't have so much when I was younger. Uh, that switch because I was too too nice, too um, apprehensive, or second guessing. Uh, of myself sometimes. And, uh, you know, I remember him telling me, you know, that, like, that super human kind of thing that you feel sometimes with the, when you're in the zone, uh, you know, to find that. And, and, and like, that's the person you have to be in competition. So, uh, you know, that's something that he was really like, uh big on like you know like being a different person when you compete you can't be the same same you because you you know generally speaking you're going to be a nice caring loving you know respectful guy you know what i mean like you're you are You clearly
0: don't know me that well but that's very nice <laughs> of you to say
1: right well you know uh everyone has their normal persona when you're in sure. competition, you gotta you gotta be the Superman. You gotta you can't be Clark Kent. You know you gotta you gotta flip the switch. And uh, and I wasn't always flipping my switch. And Solo Solo taught me how to flip that switch every time. And uh, and that was some of the best advice I ever received as far as being a competitor.
0: No, that that is great uh, advice. And and along those same lines, uh, I did hear you in another interview talking about the difficulty of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu just as a sport. Uh, and that, you know, you guys, when you're competing, you don't make tons of money and that uh, it's something that we have to continuously be working at to try and promote and better the sport. Uh, what is it that we can be doing to better promote the sport, uh, just in your opinion?
1: Um, you know, it's hard to say, like, uh, you know, I think the next thing that needs to happen is is for jiu to make it more into, like, some mainstream TV, you know, um, similar to, like, the X Games, you know, uh, extreme sports, stuff like that. You know, the same route that the UFC went on. And, uh, uh, you know, like, now people are, are, you know, when they think of jiu-jitsu, they're automatically going to think of mixed martial arts and UFC um, if they even know what jiu-jitsu is. Uh, or they're going to hear jujitsu and they're going to say, is that like karate? You know what I mean? So yeah. people aren't educated on exactly what jiu-jitsu is. They think it's like karate or they think it's like UFC. And they don't really know the art of jiu itself and how beautiful it is and how amazing it is, how life-changing it is, and how everyone uh, really should experience jujitsu jitsu how good it is for everybody. It's, it's there for everybody. It's not karate for kids. And it's not UFC, it's not UFC for, for, you know, tough cage fighters, you know what I mean? It's for everybody. And, uh, and so they need to be educated on that, you know, uh, it needs to get more, you know, mainstream exposure, um, if it's on some sort of ESPN or or Spike or something like that, uh, you know, where people could see Jiu Jitsu and you know, and then we're gonna to have to figure out how we're gonna expose them to competition, jiu jitsu, sport jiu jitsu. You know, obviously, uh, you know, sport jiu jitsu isn't always exciting. You know, so yeah. um, you know, there has to be some sort of venue to to um, you know make jiu jitsu become accepted as a as a fan sport. You know, for everybody to watch and be excited for. You know um Morris is working on this you know obviously they're they have a different set of rules it's a super flight card you know it's one night it's a show um they're trying to make it you know stylistic matchups so it's exciting and uh guys are going for submissions you know so yeah. this is a step in the right a step in the right direction uh you know, hopefully Metamorphs will continue to do these shows and it can eventually maybe cross over and get some TV exposure. And then from there sponsors are going to start coming in, you know, and this is what the athletes really need, you know, uh, is big name sponsors, Nike, Under Armour, you know, things like that, uh, where, you know, we can get, you know, uh, a real like, uh, supplementary income to help us focus a hundred percent on training and, and winning competitions, you know, everyone has to do something, you know, I think I'm one of the few guys that are running academies full time. Um, you know, some of the more old school guys from my generation are also in the same boat with academies. Um, a lot of the younger guys don't have their own academies yet, but you know, they're kind of struggling and they have to do seminars. They have to do seminar tours and, and maybe release products or, um, you know, or they have to just win, you know, if they don't win, they're not going to get their sponsorship checks and bonuses and they're not going to get any opportunities, you know? So it's hard. It's stressful. I was in that boat before. Um And, you know, now I'm fortunate to uh, still be around and, and be a part of some of the transition as the sport continues to evolve and grow. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen in my generation uh, where jiu is going to be really popular and the, you know, the athletes are making real money, you know, hopefully it's in the next generation um, that that's possible. But, uh, but basically it's going to have to get on TV for someone to really care about it. You know, like uh, millionaires aren't going to go sit in the pyramid and watch, you know, the, those regular sports jiu-jitsu matches all day. I mean, they're not, you know, it's not exciting. It's not going to bring in those people. They're not going to sit on those chairs, you know, like that. I mean, guys, you know, they need a VIP section. They need to be, like, making it a show. Metamoris is doing this. You know what I mean? So, uh, really, that's why I'm so excited to be a part of Metamorris. I'm really hoping that it's one of the, the catalysts to help, help jiu-jitsu hit the next level.
0: Well, that's, that's what we're definitely hoping for. Um, now, you'll be out in Southern California not just for Metamoris. You're also going to be in Long Beach the week after, right? the week before the world's the week before oh god that's right the week before i'm so sorry i'm backwards on my date so you're going to be in long beach first then metamorphosis yes
1: metamorphosis
0: yes uh, i'm i still think you you're you're a little off on your your pronunciation but that's okay uh so let's assume everything goes great in june what what's next let's say you win those you know maybe you haven't made these terms yet but what are the long term goals that you still have that you're looking at?
1: Keep going, keep winning. <laughs> uh hey, I like that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, obviously this is what uh I have my eyes set on. I have to stay focused versus world championships, two thousand thirteen world champion, become the first non Brazilian to win the worlds more than once. Um, you know, that's what I'm that's what I'm here to do I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good. Like, you know, this is, this is going to happen. So, uh, that Metamorris, um, victorious once again, after that, I'd say it's going to be ADCC, you know, that's going to be one of the main things that I haven't won yet. Um, and it's an ADCC year. So I'm, I'm hoping to get my invitation to go back once again and, uh, compete at ADCC in October. And uh, who knows? Depending on how that goes, how my body is, um, I'm going for no gi worlds again, and uh, you know, keep going. I, you know, like I, I do want to want to do MMA at some point in time. You know, I don't know if it's going to be uh, much of a career in MMA, just some fights to experience it. Um, it's hard to say. I have so much so much on my plate right now, and as long as these big events like Metamoris and you know things like that are going on. Um, it's hard for me to, to get out of jujitsu because that's what I'm really passionate about. And I'm excited for these big events happening, um, for, for my sport. But, um, but, you know, I, I do want to, want to do some MMA at some point in time. And, uh, I, I, I definitely feel like I have another good few years left in me of competing at a high level. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, just keep doing what I do and, and, um, uh, you know, I'll be competing forever. Um, I can tell you that much uh, until I'm in, you know, senior six or whatever, like sixty-year-old division. Uh, as long as there's, <laughs> as long as there's guys in the bracket, I'll I'll be out there. and uh, <laughs> um, I, I was never want to stop. I heard
0: another interview that was uh asking you. It's like, so you're winding down? I was like, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's in my blood, so I'm gonna keep going, and I, uh, definitely as I dwindle down in the the hard, you know, high-level stuff, I'll be putting more energy into my team, uh, which I already do, but, you know, 100% focus will be on them and uh, developing more champions.
0: Well, look, man, uh, we honestly cannot thank you enough for taking this amount of time. You really gave us one of the best interviews we've ever had, and we're not afraid to say that. But I guess when you're the best in the world at something, you tend to... Be the best in the world at interviews, too. So here's what I'm going to say to you, my friend. Do you have any shout-outs that you want to make uh, to, you know, people? Is, is there stuff that we can help plug, maybe, for you?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, it uh, be really cool. Um, uh, what I'm doing right now is I'm giving everyone a taste of my absolute journey in Brazil. And uh, I'm breaking down all my matches. Um, like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking them through the video of my matches. I'm talking them through my mindset, what sort of positions I was using my whole game, my whole strategy, everything. And, uh, basically all people need to do is go to Lovato junior, BJJ.com. Uh, that's L O V A T O J R BJJ.com. And they can see uh, how to sign up to, uh, to receive all that, um, you know, and, and experience, uh, my absolute journey with me. And, uh, uh, you know, so, Go there, follow me on Facebook, levatojuniorfans.com, Twitter, the whole, the whole thing. I love hearing from my fans. Um, follow me on my journey here in the next couple weeks um, to, to win the worlds or win a metamorphosis again. Uh, I want to thank my sponsors, Lucky Gee. Um, the Lovato signature Lucky Gee is out. Um, I just saw that. Favorite. That looks
0: amazing, by the way.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful Gee. Uh, it has uh, brushing on the inside. Um, so, it's the softest jujitsu gi on the market. Um, it feels like a robe. It feels like a bathrobe. Um, so, uh, very comfortable. Um, totally competition legal. And it has my favorite quote uh, on the inside trim victory is always possible for the, for the person who refuses to stop fighting. Um, something I always like to look at right in, as I'm in the competitions. Uh, so, it's a, it's a special gi. Uh, there's my sponsors LuckyGi on the mat.com uh kai's concepts Novatech laboratories my conditioning coach luke tyree at tyree's training a lot of people are hearing about him he's going to be putting more stuff out there for all the jiu-jitsu guys to uh, to get their conditioning training um so basically yeah that's about it just follow me on my journey here uh with me and my students my team in oklahoma city and uh yeah i appreciate it i glad you guys enjoyed the interview thanks for having me on and dude uh, not a problem before...
0: and uh we uh, we're we're happy to also put in a plug for your uh, no pressure uh, passing system, which by the way was awesome and described as drowning an opponent, which <laughs> was pretty awesome.
1: Uh, and yeah, I, pressure, I, pressure, I, everyone, everyone can look that up at pressurepassing.com. Um, yeah, that, that's out there. It's, that's, that's my top game. That's what I use for competitions that I believe in. Uh, yeah, so. It's
0: it's pretty spectacular. I looked at a, a video and was able to realign uh, a couple small adjustments to my own game. So thank you very much, man. And I am looking forward to uh, seeing you. I am actually going to Metamorris uh, in a few weeks. So I look forward to seeing you compete, my friend.
1: Awesome. Cool. I'll see you there. All cool. right.
0: W- that sounds like a plan. And you know what? Thank you again so much for uh, for talking with us. We, we love hearing this and we'd love to have you back afterwards to talk about uh, your experience after.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Most definitely. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Since the recording of this podcast, the Red Cross has set up donations for the people of Moore, Oklahoma, affected by the tornado. Please visit RedCross.com backslash donations to help. That was Rafael Lovato Jr. Wow, he's, um, you can get a real sense. This is the part of the show where Raf and I talk about the guest. You can get a sense of why he's so successful. You can just kind of hear it in his voice. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's definitely a guy who, and when you hear them elaborate their mental visualization of success, uh, when he said that it was something that he struggled with and something that he's now created, you you hear it Yeah, and you have to think if you're competing like that, you have to be that way, especially on that level. I mean, and yeah. I'm glad you talked to him about the Kabora just because when you watch his highlight video, you can see that Kumura come. Just he rips it out and does it so quickly. And I mean, Fantastic. I know that it is the polite thing to not say how awesome you are in a more, you know, pronounced way. Yeah. But like, homeboy looks scary when he does pull off a kibora afterwards. Like that that <laughs> scream that you are describing is one that you're like. Wow, that is that's intense, man. There is, and it I know he's just like, He's like he's totally just like downplaying it. Like, no, nah, it's cool. I mean, nah, it's just, it's just who I am. Then it's like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I've pulled off a a turkey in bowling, and I I've never made that that look in my. In my <laughs> well,
1: face let me ask I'm you
0: just... this: Was pulling off a turkey like, one of your lifelong goals? Well, at one point, yeah. Yeah, when well, I was before, like obviously before, not after you accomplished it. You know. But, like, I don't I don't know. I didn't wait 15 years for it. So maybe, yeah, you know, if you, had, if you had seen me after all of those years, it would have uh, Howard Dean yawed it. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard the microphone was just turned up too well. It's like, yeah, that's a great cover story, Howard Dean. That makes a lot of sense for why you went screaming into the audience. Oh, but political references from 2004 aside. <laughs> Good interview. Just Great interview. uh, Our our thanks to him for his time. He didn't have to to give us that much time, but he was just so good.
1: He was. And when
0: when you've got a black belt talking to you like that, it's like, I just want you to keep going. You just keep talking. You're good. You just keep going. The whole thing is is it's like at some point you're just getting knowledge that you would never get uh, elsewhere. Like you may interact with black belts, but if you've got one on the line – that's giving you all of this knowledge. It's kind of hard to turn off the faucet and say like, "Nah, I don't want it." Thanks, yeah. though. You literally <laughs> just go, no, man, let's." It, do you want to? We can just cut this and keep talking. Uh, but we respect his time, and man, thank him so much for giving us so much of it. That was that was awesome. Yeah, and that was just a reminder. Uh, check out his DVD set, and you can still get tickets to the Metamoris Two Pro. You can watch it online. Or get out to l a join Raf in the audience and uh give it a watch yep u f c one sixty coming up this Saturday velasquez yes. Mr kane versus bigfoot Silva who do you got Did you just say mr kane yeah, well velasquez so... Mr kane oh my God it's so awful. Uh, I'm going to go with Kane on this. Yeah. I So I watched Bigfoot win that last fight, but just from a pure intensity standpoint, it's always hard to vote against Kane. He just always has that look of just pure prison terror on his face. He just looks ready to fight. It's true. Part of it isn't helped by the brown pride that is tattooed against him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And that's why it's so hard for me. I'm like, uh as a mexican am i allowed to vote no no i gotta go for him you're oh, right definitively you have no choice i like that you identifying as a mexican right now dos santos versus hunt it's happening <laughs> it is happening yeah, i'm i'm looking forward a while i want some dos santos sure i'd like to see him back in there if hunt gets a great knockout why not but sure uh you know, Dos Santos uh, very nicely puts it in the mix. And we actually got a question thrown at us in that regard. Uh, the question comes from Steven Richards that says uh, Can you talk about the merits behind Bigfoot's t- title shot compared to Roy Nelson? Uh, Kane destroyed him last time they fought while Nelson lost to a decision for JDS. Seems odd he got it even with the overream fight. What is that? That's what it is, right? Isn't it just the Overream fight? I mean with the with the heavyweight division's been really it's not been all that contentious. I mean it seems like Kane sort of owned it. De DeSantos had a little run, but my problem is with and it's a good question. I don't know if Bigfoot deserved it to be honest. I just you don't see this division so much, it's hard to remember. I, I'm okay with Bigfoot just because of the way he knocked out Overeem and it felt like everyone thought it was Overeem's time. So it's, I mean, it was a big win, but Roy Nelson just hasn't been stunningly finishing people. So why give him the fight? It's just maybe the next one, but I don't know. I Did don't... you just say he hasn't been finishing people? He didn't, he, uh, he finished his last fight, but before that he wasn't. I think it was the last three fights he's had. He's finished his last three fights. I'm, I'm checking this now as we speak because I know he fought for the... Yeah, no, I'm just going to keep talking. I know he fought for the Ultimate Fighter finale. That was, by the way... So if if he has finished his last opponent, that changes my perspective a little bit. But if you watched him in the Ultimate Fighter, he's just really a terrible coach and super boring. So maybe it's still just the UFC being like... (laughs) That was so, that was such an awful fucking season of The Ultimate Fighter, and in part we're blaming you. It was you, pretty bad. So, you're okay, just not going to get go. a title uh, shot. I'd be okay with that. Three fights. KO, TKO, KO. Check Congo, Matt Matreon, and Dave Herman. So, Okay. Eh, but Herman know, was the one that picked up the fight for out. Shane Carwin? What's that? Herman would have been the replacement for Shane Carwin? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that's fair then. Maybe uh, maybe Roy Nelson does deserve it. I don't really care, I guess. I should care more. Do you care? Are you passionate about this? Uh, not really, but I think that sometimes in a division, uh, there comes a moment when they, time, zeitgeist, all of those things play a role where it's just kind of like, your turn. You that's go. true yeah sometimes the fights are just staggered and I know that seems like a petty reason not to give someone a fight but you know they just the fight game is such a weird turnaround and it's hard to get your body back so who knows though I did hear it's Nelson was yeah I did hear Nelson was in like a backup seat he was ready to take over any seat in this last Brazilian fight and in the next one which I does make me like Roy Nelson a little bit again. Hey man, he's he's ready to throw down. It doesn't even have to be for the UFC. I'm pretty sure he can just be at a Hooters for a set of wings, <laughs> and probably will. He's probably fighting someone right now just for the good time of it. Your one of your favorites, Donald Cerrone, is back. Cowboy returns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him fight. I am interested to see how that goes. He's gone through a lot of shit since he left. He really he had has a climbing accident. Uh, you know, and like I, I respect Greg Maynard. I, I think he's all right. Mike Pyle. I mean, it's got some good fights on here. Yeah. And I just I'm ready to see Kane Velasquez know. fight again. I'm always uh, I like watching uh, him fight. I am fight. too. That'll do it for us over here at the uh, verbal tap long interview studio but damn that was a good interview i i want to i want to hear more after the metamorphosis just uh, after watching him fight a couple of times I'm looking forward to that well when he gets done with metamorphosis i'm gonna hopefully uh <laughs> be able, it, able to reach back out to him what's uh, up?: are you just doing it to annoy me now <laughs> I'm going to take this yeah. as a It's yeah, A little fun game Raph plays to see if he can raise my blood pressure before bedtime. And it works. But, Shout out! I will appreciate the fact that <laughs> Raphael rolls with it, too. It was just like, yeah, dude, we know. Yep. It was so, so funny the first time. Okay. Yeah, also, there was that stunning interview moment where I had his accolades somewhat mixed up for some reason I had in my mind that there were two people that had won the Brazilian National but he is the oh only God, one no. so let me state you that again clear you have to read the press release That's I all read, you have to read so much stuff about him and I've been watching nothing but YouTube videos of Rafael fighting, and somehow you know missed it can we nice just say this what months. you should have said was Oh, I got it confused with your other trillion awards that you That is run. the other thing. It's like trying to write down or memorize your intro, Mr. Like it's it is long. Like it's seven pages worth of big time titles. Yeah. Thanks. That that makes me feel better. It's a little caveat. You still screwed up. But let's do shout outs. BJJ and MMA Academy. We just had our promotion ceremony on Saturday. I got a stripe. Um, but congrats hey, to congrats. a lot of the gentlemen that we uh, came up into the blue belt ranks. No concept jiu-jitsu out in Maryland. Also there for some uh, fun at the seminar. BJJ Finder, please check out the world's premier Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym locator. You can find it on iTunes. You can get the app, BJJ Finder. It's great. Andrew's constantly making updates to it over there. Uh, doing fantastic work so please check it out bjj finder that does it for me uh valley martial arts center bmas we are still hosting our first tournament uh in a, in a good while uh over with uh, dream promotions who uh, in a spectacularly awesome uh, uh, organization cool, uh, we had the owner of it uh, come roll with us, and he was awesome. Uh, it's very nice You know when you get it, the name of it is dream go with it uh, But the best part is he's one of those people who when he rolls with me uh, He's like so amazing at what he's doing, and he's just like you just need to work on this transition You're gonna be amazing, and I was like you're just lying to me <laughs> that's the worst lie I've ever heard and he just starts laughing I was like no he's good guy Uh, MMA Roasted who just celebrated a birthday happy birthday to them Steven Richards thank you for your question also to uh, our good friends Muggy Lisa Falconer always for being such great support Josh Siman who enjoyed one of our tweets while we were tweeting where we were making fun of him not finishing an armbar in that Nas commercial that was funny uh, that was you that was a funny tweet thank you i appreciate that but yeah we we had a lot of friends following us on uh the fight saturday and we will be uh live tweeting in some capacity uh this weekend and also a a nice shout out to dead panda uh from cage potato funny stuff That'll do it for us over here at Verbal Tapcast. Again, you want more of us? Go to VerbalTapCast.com. Check out the content. Get a load of the backlog of reading material you've got over there. It's a nonstop laugh riot. Uh, and we have just hit a point where both Raph and I don't have shows. So I'd imagine we'll start turning our creative boredom into even more stuff over at Verbal VerbalTapCast. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight
1: you don't